Welcome to Pete and Hannah's Watchlist, and we're presenting the AFI Top 100. I'm here with my great co-host, Hannah. Sup? <laughs> Hen, we are doing the AFI Top 100, where we watch rewatch all the 100 movies of the American film industry 10th anniversary. Say that five times really fast. And we give our usual reviews, and we talk about the film and why it's on the list. Yeah. Why are we doing the American Film Institute? Well, it's a curated list of 100 movies, so yeah. that's cool. Uh, but also, it's just, we also love movies, mm. and especially American film. I mean, it's yeah. infected, it's everywhere. Um, and this is basically saying, this is what humanity's got to offer. Like, aliens are going to see this, this is our top 100. And we kind of just want to see, are they any worthwhile? Like, are they actually good? Another thing is, like, you weren't into movies, like, no, heavily... I- well, Until I, COVID. I, yeah, I'd also say the thing is, like, I have, you know... The, a lot of these you haven't seen. The greats, yeah. the considered greats, are way before my time. So, during COVID, when we um, everyone was locked down, we started watching television shows and we started watching movies. We yeah. first started, we watched West Wing. So, <laughs> you've been indoctrinated into that, which I loved as a kid. And then now, love as an adult, watch it every year, and you, now you're... Mm-hmm. And we also started watching, rewatching movies. And then we started this channel, and then we thought, okay, we need something to... Let's, let's go back to what we were doing during COVID and watch a movie every yeah. week from an old movie. And then you picked the top um, 100 movies from the American Film Institute, and the 10th anniversary revi- revisited, which no one's really talked about much. They, they talked about the first dropping yeah, in 1997... But the 2007, I haven't had much, have much discourse about it. I, I would like to see, like, because to revisit and update the films on that list is an interesting thing. Like, it hasn't been updated since. Yeah. It probably will eventually. It definitely and, will be, And yeah. then not only that, it's, the, I going through this list, it's very interesting to see, like, again, it's the American Film Institute, they choose a lot of yeah. American films and stuff. So it'd be interesting to see later on down the years if they actually add... Um, Another thing is, like, there's a lot of movies that have been added to this list uh, that weren't new movies. They, were, they found 1930s movies and they yes, added to the list. So, yeah, so it is quite amazing that the list changed or, so much. And, and also it's an update of values, too, because there's, like, there's some films on there that... Um, honestly, that I consider classics by just any yeah. means, but uh, now it's like, oh, yeah, of course, they're, they're important to film, not just as a good film, but as they're an important part of history. Well, we're starting with a huge one today. Yeah. The 100th movie on the list of uh, American Film Institute is one of the best movies of all time. Uh, <laughs> it's won countless Academy Awards. Mm-mm. It was uh, nominated for 13, won 11. It's actually a record because there's some uh, wins that Gone with the Wind had that were just were just automatically given to them. This yeah, is actually yeah, categories yeah, that were fought. And there's also categories in uh, Avatar, Titanic, oh. that weren't actually existed back in when Ben-Hur. So Ben-Hur won yeah. uh, categories, uh, a better strike rate, basically. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so it's Ben Hur. It's a nineteen fifty nine remake of the twenty five um, movie. Yeah. So basically, how we'll do this is we we rewatch the movie and then we put the movie into categories, which we'll, we'll learn. We'll add name, funny names to each category yeah. over the years, and then we'll just put it through the the usual Pete and Hannah's review show 
a ringer with the elevator pitch, reasons to, reasons yeah, not yeah. to. And then we'll talk about where it sits on the list. And then we'll finally ask the real question that everyone wants to know. Would we watch it again? And should it be on this list anyway? <laughs> yeah, from, a... from people not part of the film institute. Okay, so let's start. It's number 100. Uh, it's Ben Hur 1959. Yeah. Uh, cool. Had you seen it before? Nope. Uh, I saw this one when I was a kid. So it was big on rotation in Australia when footy, so our footy in Queensland, uh, where we're from, is rugby league. And so when on Sundays it was huge that they'd play a big biblical movie. So yeah, you'd yeah. get either Ben-Hur or you'd get Ten Commandments. you get, like, a long movie. Yeah. So it covers all the day. <laughs> it always used to be on Channel 9 for some reason, which is the main station over here. And it was before the cricket started. So if so, the, the, I think there was three seasons when it came to mm-hmm. uh, television in Australia growing up. There was uh, Rugby League, then there was... Epic movies, and then it went into cricket. Wow. Okay. So that's my three loves in life. So, yeah, yeah, that's uh, That shows a little bit about me. Uh, elevator pitch. So Ben-Hur is betrayed, uh, and he seeks revenge through chariot racing. Now, who's Ben-Hur? So he, he's um, a Jewish person that's living in Judea uh, under Roman occupo- occupation, um, the first year of existence, so one BC, yeah, one uh, one be, uh, uh, after Common Era, yeah, yeah. 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 So you can mix with all the after death speed, but yeah, yeah, yeah. They especially because this movie ties in. Yeah, it ties in religious angle. There's some some Jesus stuff in here. Ooh. Uh, so the maker studio was MGN Grand. So one of your favorite studios. Well, yeah, they love throwing money at like really big movies. Well, Hannah. It, when you say that, they were going broke at this stage in 1959. Yeah, they were. They were in big trouble. And so they took a big punt on this movie. Now, the original budget for this was $7 million. Mm. But that blew out to $15 million. Now, yep, that doesn't a... sound like much now, but it quite oh, into, yep. into the, our money, that's $150 million. Now, for a business that's nearly going broke, yeah, can and you believe that? I will say MGM have a habit of... You know, putting money into a movie and then the movie exceeding that limit. Yeah. Things like Gone with the Wind and Wizard of Oz have so, done that in the past. The the bet paid off. It was one of the highest grossing movies of the 50s. It was yeah. um, just behind uh, Gone with the Wind and Ten Commandments. If it equated to today's money, it would have cost $150 million. It equated in today's money, it would have made over... $1.5 billion. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it, it made its money back. In time. <laughs> yeah, $75 million dollars it made. So it had a huge theatrical run as well. So uh, back, uh, in, yeah, back in those days, there was only one or two movies that made it a cinema, especially in Australia, and they'd play for a year. Yeah. So now, if a movie, like look at Marvels that came out re- uh, recently, uh, that lasted a couple of weeks, you know. We're getting movies that last one or two weeks in the cinemas, yeah. and then it goes on to a streaming service. It, it's... Harrowing. Like you go back to like a movie like say Back to the Future, right? That, that yeah, was, that, that was in that was, that was in cinemas for eighteen okay. months, and it, it was and it, it had a run where it was number one, and then six months later it was number one again. Like it, you, <laughs> it'll never happen here. It, it never happened here. Oh, again, it never. It wouldn't. It wouldn't happen again with movies like that. No. So the story behind this movie, it was originally a book, yeah, uh, written in the eighteen hundreds. It got turned into a movie in nineteen twenty five. Was much storied when it when it came out in nineteen twenty five. People have been trying to remake it for years and years and years. 
Um, the biblical picks had been huge hits, like Ten Commandments was yeah. a huge movie uh, starring uh, Charlton Heston. And so they looked at Lee Wallace's book and it was a, a, a spawning epic. And when they tried to re- were going to make it, it was going to be a four-hour movie. Mm. So they brought this director on, um, William Wyler. And now this guy is, he makes bangers after bangers. Roman Holiday. <laughs> oh. Funny Girl. Oh, you know what? That's actually this guy is amazing. Movies. Yeah. Yeah. So he also directed uh, Withering Heights as well. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. So okay. So he he <laughs> everything great. He 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 didn't want to do it at the start. He really I didn't want to do it. I understand that. Yeah. Because he was Jewish, and so this movie is heavily Christianity. Yes. It's heavily it's yes, laid it in is. Christianity. Um, but then he later said that. He, you know, you bring a Jew on to uh, make a real Christian movie. So he was, he had a little bit of humor about this guy, but he said he only wanted to do it if uh, it was going to be a three hour movie, not a four hour movie. I understand. Okay. Oh, okay. Interesting. He also said that he didn't want to skimp on budget. So he said, well, the um, producer was Steven Zemplis. He said, well, look, it's going to be a seven million dollar budget. And he goes, well, I think it's going to need to be more than that. And so it ended up being fifteen million dollars. Yeah. He had a lot of choices to for actors from the the Judah Ben Hur role. Okay, so he he ended up going with the great Charlton Heston, who was in the Ten Commandments. A lot of actors he he was he went after Paul Newman. Paul Newman. Paul Newman said, "No, I wouldn't look good in a skirt." Uh, Kirk Douglas really wanted this role, but he, he was considered too old because he really wanted to play it because he's Jewish. Yeah. yeah. Um, he ended up uh, making Spartacus work and he mm. became Spartacus. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's it. Uh, a lot of the other actors, so the the, the actor that paid um, Ben-Hur's mum, it was only actually three years older than Charlton Heston. And earlier, earlier he she had played a young mum of the baby Moses in the Ten Commandments. <laughs> okay. So it's a big turnaround that she's playing. Uh, the old, yeah. well, the mature lady. So the reaction of the film at the time, um, critics went wild for it. Of course. Uh, of course. It was a huge highest grossing. It won heaps of awards. It was just, it oh, swept yeah. the Oscars. No. It won Best Director. It won Best Picture. It won Best Actor. It won Best Supporting Actor. Now, uh, that... This is where you we could argue one of the things that don't make well, the last. The role of... Um, the role of the Sheik uh, was played by a Welsh actor. Now, not the greatest thing you've ever seen, hey? No. No. Uh, you could say they're better okay. ideas. There was, there was, let's, let's be honest. Uh, there was blackface. Yeah, no. And it's when you get to these older films, they weren't really looking for people that looked like the people they're supposed to play. They just, you know, worked around a metaphorical bush and just was like, oh, you know what? You're pretty good. Let's just throw something on and so it was, day. So it's played by Hugh um, Griffin. And yeah. he won the Best Supporting Actor. He yeah. didn't accept it at the yes. um, Oscars as well. Uh, he played Mutiny. He was in The Mutiny on the Bounty. He was How to yeah. Steal a Me. And he was in, like, heaps of movies. And he was also in Oliver. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, 
he uh, storied after uh, won an Oscar, but yeah, he did. He didn't want to accept it. But that well, well, didn't someone mean, accepted on behalf? Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, William Wallace accepted on his behalf. I um, yeah, it's it's an interesting like it's an it's an interesting choice for uh, best supporting because I feel like there are some other greater best supporting uh well there's another probably better supporting actor in it than i would say the sheik he only plays like a really a minor role yeah well uh you're talking about the masala who played uh masala who was played by uh steven group he he uh a lot of people wanted to play that role um he there was a bit more meat on that bowl uh do Let's talk a little bit more about the movie, and we'll come back yeah. to that. How well, we'll that come back to the... we'll come back to how the the theme that you want to talk about <laughs> the majority of this uh, this award. How I like to enjoy the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's uh wow. Um, <laughs> there was so Hugh Griffin was up against um, Arthur Connell in Anatomy of Murder, oh, yeah. George C. Scott. They probably. Um, uh, cross each other out. Robert Vaughan in the Young Philadelphians who just died recently, and uh, Edwin and Doro the Frank. So, uh, I've seen I've seen the Anatomy of Murder and I've seen Young Philadelphians. I, I was surprised that Hugh Griffin actually won after we were watching this movie. Yeah, I, I think he doesn't he doesn't play in uh, nowadays. He, his role won. You wouldn't have it because yeah, <laughs> of course. But his my he, he doesn't really add anything um no. to this like. To the plot, he doesn't really. I wouldn't say he he does a good job acting, but I wouldn't say he's you know putting on a performance that supports, I guess, the main actor in it in any way. So we're not a huge fan of uh, like sites of critics and stuff like that. So we, as people who have watched our show before, we don't really give like a score. We give like a sort of funny rating and sort yeah. of like, we're not like a... And we like to also showcase what we liked and what we disliked about it. Yeah. Because we, we know there's things to like about it even if it's, you know, considered terrible. Yeah, we're <laughs> film lovers, not film critics. So, yeah. so just to go through some of the metrics, it's 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. It was 8.1 on IMDb. Like... Yeah, for that for what it is, that's high. That's high praise, you know. So yeah, especially a movie to you know, it's been a long time uh, to still garner praise even to this day. Does it? Does it? Des- does it deserve spot, all the praise? Yeah. Uh, does it deserve all the or praise? Praise it got. Now I think at the time, everything about it is so amazingly well done. At the time, yeah. Uh, definitely, when you look at it now, compared to some. You look on it and some of the sets, you're like, mm, that looks like a set. Or they've had to, um, recently they retouched, they did a remaster not long yeah, ago. Yeah. And so everything's got a little bit more, you, you know, sometimes the siege, they have the, like drawn pipe drops and they yeah. just added some textures and stuff. And I'll give you a little bit, a bit of background. Off-putting. So the the battle scenes were filmed by, with miniatures, which is the, the yes, job of which the time. I, miniatures, when miniatures are used, I think they're, when they're done really well, you will yeah. never notice it, and it's brilliant. Well, uh, Oppenheimer, Reese uh, Bruce Miller. Yes, Nolan's Christopher huge. Nolan is a huge lover of his. He did it with the dark. He did yeah. it with the Dark Knight trilogy. Like any, like when you see behind the scenes of Batman Begins, like the tra- that whole train thing was miniatures. Like that's yeah. incredible. So, and so you can do it well. Uh, they tried to film in Libya, but when they found out this movie was about uh, Judaism and Christianity, uh, not. No, a no, fan. yeah. So they started filming in 1957. 
Mm. Uh, it was a long shoot, um, nearly oh. six months. Was, uh, the chariot scene, the famous chariot scene, was six weeks alone. Yeah. Um, horses died. No one died, as in. Um, oh, people. no one, no, no one. Died? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was near fatal, but no, no one died. Oh, huh. but horses did. So horses, yeah. animals were harmed during the making of this film. Yeah. Uh, which deserves it in the shape of time. But that chariot scene alone, like, you could, even though, again, horrifying. Yeah. It is a impressive thing they were able to achieve. Even though we could definitely argue that sometimes those laps were long and sometimes they were very short for some reason. So, yeah, he... So, what he did was, William Wyler, he did one big, um crane shot of when they came in at the start. Now, that wasn't from the book, and that wasn't historical when they came in all together the like chariot, that. The yeah. chariot, as they all came in. Um, but he wanted to do that for a reason, uh, to give it scope, because most of the shots oh, were really close yeah. when you're going around corners. No, this I think some of the really like unique shots he likes to do, he really wanted to show yeah. the scale of this movie. That's so, the whole... So, I think, filmed in Rome, Spain, like... It just goes to show, like, they were filming back into uh, uh, locations back then. Why can't we do it now? I know, right? Uh, even when some of them look a little bit off. Yeah, the set, the sets weren't, like, the sets probably were great for back then, but they weren't great. Um, but he definitely, like, there were shots in Rome where, like, you, you when you go to Rome and it really, he likes to draw you out. Like, yeah. as it almost has this moment where he would... Um, uh, Judah has saved someone's life and they're accepting something yep. and it's almost like this is like that Star Wars moment when it they does, accept yeah. the medals like yeah, it, it harkens a lot of directors moment. have seen this movie and yeah, it's I wouldn't be on Letterboxd like it's a lot of uh, famous actors and famous uh, directors favourite movie yeah because it's just it, it is a pretty epic yeah. scaled movie that yeah I think do you want to go into our usual review yeah I think we'll, let's, let's start let's, with that because uh, let's I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready to talk about it. Uh, reasons to see him. Reasons to see it, it's, it's pretty epically well done, this movie. In a sense that it's amazing, um, it's like a really great, um, idea of using revenge and faith yeah. in one movie, which is, you know, never really, like, faith and revenge don't really go hand in hand with each other, but in this movie, it's a big part. Yeah, because it, it's, it's, he's learning a lesson through it. He, he's learn, yeah, he's learning a lesson. It's an interesting tale about it. And well, he, he starts off as like a huge, well, big he, deal. Yeah, he's like, and then a, he gets wrong for a, something he, d- he didn't commit. Yeah, and he gets punished, and then he comes back to try and take punishment onto the person that punished him. Yeah, he, he's seeking revenge. He just wants. And then he sees it, sees a lot. He has to go through so many like different yeah. trials and stuff. And there are, it's an epic scale and scope. Like, talk it's talk about the real reason you think it, to watch this. Okay, so Charlton Heston has great chemistry with anything he's on screen with. Yeah. For some reason, he's got chemistry with the horses. He's got chemistry. He just like immediately when he likes a woman, he's just sizing her up, and you're like, wow, this guy is already on. But um, um, must. Uh, What's his name? Marcella. Stephen Board. Stephen Mar- Mar- Marcella. Mar- Marcella. He's the villain, but originally these two were friends. Yeah. And the moment they meet, they're like bonding. They're in love with each other. So we're I'll talking about. I'll give you a great story is... behind the scenes, Hen. So they're this, in love. so this was rewritten uh, to make it a little bit shorter by Gore Vidal, mm. and Gore Vidal, uh, noted rock on tour. He's told the 
uh, Stephen Boyd character to play it homoerotica because he was... He was... Um, he said he, he was a childhood friend. He would have been... Um, kicked back by Charlton Heston was a little bit more popular that's the reason why he saved his life as a child and you need to play it like this and Charlton Heston had no idea why he was playing it like that now so why you picked up on that thing that like, this is well known even now know that. you know that there's fan fiction out there yeah about I, found, I literally wanted to look it up it's small but it's there and I yeah. bet I could find more of it it's think. a great reason to see but he didn't just have Chemistry well, with uh, Stephen Boyd, Masala. He had he had chemistry with the horses. Yeah, he's there's like, these four white horses that he deals he with. He like lovingly pats and and he's like, hey, and they're like they're like these horses are like nipping at him <laughs> and stuff, and he's just like, hey. He know? has more chemistry with uh, Marcella and the horses than he does any woman in this movie. Yeah, I would say, but he like sizes them up yeah. to start, and then eventually he's just like. Yeah, but I'm in love. <laughs> I'm in love with my horses. But the fact that Stephen Boyd was told to play it like that, I yeah, I was so enthralled because they were they were tight. And then once they he used him as a basically just you know to condemn him, it was like an interesting. It added so much tension to this plot. I was just like enthralled with what was going to happen next. Uh, reasons not to look. I think the start of the movie is a bit slow. Then when you get into the battle when you, the, on the when boats, you get the boats, amazing. Boats. The rowing. rowing. There's like 10 minutes of just rowing. There's so many moments where he's just doing one action yeah. simply. Yeah. And it's just many different shots of was, it. Was Charles just trying to get in shape? Yeah. I was like, I was like, he's trying to show off here. It, it's actually great. It, it, it's entertaining. The fact is I'm on the edge. I'm like really enthralled. I'm like, what is going to happen here? I would say, yeah. And then the last 30 minutes... Well, I he was would... he was like in his thirties yeah. when he made this movie. I think he was just trying to get in shape. Like he knew he was going to have to play an astronaut on a planet of eight, so he needed to get in shape. You know, even though it was eight years later, what a career Charlton Heston had. Yeah, like Ten Commandments, he had this. Uh, he had a Planet Planets. of the Apes. Like he had the Omega Strain. Like uh, he had the the uh, movie with the. Citizen Kane director Orson Welles, uh, Touch of Evil. Like, oh yeah, just just amazing. What a, what a mm. what an absolute banging career. And then he uh, finished it with uh, being the head of the NRA. No um, political talk here. Uh, reason another reason not to see like oh, it builds everything up to the chariot scene. So they talk about the chariot scene when he's in Rome. Like he's like a great chariot oh, racer, they, and they tease their absolute hell out I, of I would it. say that yes, which. By the way... Because in the trailer, you see the chariot, see the trailer. I would also say, so it's presumed, because we fast forward, once he gets to Rome, it cuts to a couple, like, months ahead, and he's apparently been, like, he's... He's killing it. He's He's the best driver in the world. Yeah, we... we, Yeah. He's the Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen of uh, chariot racing. If you put this movie in the 80s, we would have gotten, like, a a 20-minute montage montage of him, like, um, learning the ropes. Not the 80s, now. Uh, <laughs> we would have got 100%. There is a little bit with the horses when he's trying to train to take Yeah, on, yeah. You know. No, but I, I meant a full-on one. Yeah. Uh, I and, would say it's building up to that chariot race yeah. because it's also the moment where he claims his um, vengeance. As Do well. you know the underrated uh, thing is the scene where... Uh, the scene where they're putting the bet on. and Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hugh Griffith's trying to draw Masala out 
and trying to probably raise this his... is where he got his telescope from. So he had so he had that bet that he was having in today's terms. Yes. With the four to one odds of the thousand Skerex. Yeah. That would have been worth eight billion gold. Eight billion <laughs> gold. Ridiculous. That's eight great. billion gold. Can uh, you believe that? He, and that's so why they, eight billion. Which makes a lot of sense why they were so shocked. Now, <laughs> a spoiler alert here for those who haven't seen the movie. Oh. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Like, you've got to spoil it. Okay. Well, Masala dies in the chariot race. Yeah, well, not in the chariot race. Well, it dies after the chariot race. But he dies because of the chariot race. Does he pay up? Does he pay up? Oh, I don't think he did. I don't think he did. I don't think he did. Where's I that eight billion dollars worth of gold? I don't think he, I don't I don't think anyone cares. I would I also, love all these little factoids about this movie, hey. I think it's interesting because it, it has been a long time and people just pick up different things because again I think a lot of people get recommended this movie because of, you know, just film critics and everything. Yeah. And so different people who watch movies for different reasons will pick up on yeah. completely nonsensical detail. Like me going those two should get together. Bound to well, the bow wow. People, yes. A lot of people picked up on it. And the only one that didn't pick up on it was Charlton Heston. So. <laughs> he was, but he was like, hmm. <laughs> What's happening here? So the real reason not to is like once a chariot scene's done, it's, it's, 30, it's, it's such 30 a to 40 down. minutes of just of about, it's, it's purely about, about the Christianity. Yeah. It's purely about the faith. Yeah. Purely about like we're... We're watching. You watch. You watch Jesus get put to the cross. Not to put it back to <laughs> like, a, not a, not to keep putting it back to a recent movie, but Oppenheimer. When you had the the Trinity test, you still got uh, I, Emily Blunt yeah, cooking. I would you still got Robert Downey Jr. cooking like this. I, it was very a I, slow burn. I would argue that we spent way with, too much time in a leper colony. That I, you know, with like, Oppenheimer. I would go that that last hour is more entertaining yeah. than me watching the Trinity yeah. test. And like, like where our background's Christianity, so we sort of know the story. Well, but yeah. for those who uh, aren't, probably probably don't really. I, if, it's if not one of the real things to sell the movie on, if, is it? If your knowledge of of it is from Simpsons, then you've learned all well, you needed to. Let's let's talk about. So that's one of the reasons not to see. Okay, so reasons, one of the reasons not to see is. is Focus on Christianity. Yeah. It's aged yeah. poorly with some of the moments. Yeah. Just like if you go into the history of the movie yeah. or something. I would also go, just reasons not to... Uh, actually, yeah, reasons not to. It is long, and if you don't love movies about faith and vengeance having a parallel, like, you know, connecting too much. Yeah. And, yeah, the leprechaun at least, like, yeah, like, it is just ridiculous. <laughs> Insane. So you talked about The Simpsons. Yes. Um, go a little bit more into that. I would go. So um, Ben Hurd's definitely infected pop culture. Like you can't argue it. It hasn't. Um, you know, directors and and actors and everyone loves it. But The Simpsons for me, that's where I'm like, uh, that's all I knew. Like I knew Ben Hur from knew like a lot of like things that popped up. Yeah. And. Uh, there was, there's just a moment I thought that would happen where Jesus gives Ben-Hur some water to drink. And in The Simpsons, there's a lovely episode called, uh, and where Simpsons, the Springfield is hosting like a short film festival and Mr. Burns hires a, uh, Spanish knockoff of of Steven Spielberg, Senor Spielberg, and makes himself out to be Jesus and is and then he gives um Charlton Heston's Ben Hur drink up Judah Ben Hur. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, 
birds, you are truly the king of kings. You truly are the king of kings. We will say that in the entire four hours of this movie. I almost felt like everyone was going to say it at one point. And I realised, and then it comes to a realisation, oh no, that was made up to insinuate that's been her. So uh, the movie was abs- uh, was remade as well um, Which, in two thousand sixteen, and it, it was not. I don't think anyone's like nope. the remake. And it was like way, it was way too short, and yeah. I I wouldn't suspect anyone because I think for the movie, what it at its time, it's a it's a piece of history for its time, yeah. and also it is like an artwork. Whereas when you try to recreate it and just you know try to chop it into pieces and make it fleshed out and new yeah people don't like there's no creativity there yeah you know this one they you know this movie has identity to itself is it too if it's is it too crass to say should you watch or should you miss <laughs> then her no i would mm, i don't know it is a pretty long movie and if you don't like these themes i would give it a miss Look, but this so this this AFI top hundred list when it steals down to it, I've seen most of these movies. Yeah. Probably a handful I haven't seen, I and every seen. question is going to go back to you. Should you watch or miss? I, You're the new generation. I, I personally would. I've watched this. Like yeah. if this was on TV, it, I would. I would sit down and watch it. But I know for a fact, a general audience of anyone in my demographic would be like miss <laughs> like okay. they do not it's, unless they're a film junkie they do not care it's hard to it's a hard to say so early um but does it deserve to be on this list does it deserve to be i mean it's really hard to say because you know there's so we don't what about for the oscars alone for the oscars i could totally see it a hundred percent there are some oscars if you go through oscar history there are yeah. some oscars of undeserving well, Incredible. this was up against some good movies. Like, Diary of Anne Frank is a great movie. Oh, no, Young Philadelphians is saying, a great movie. Anatomy yeah, of a Murder is no, a great movie. but I'm talking about previous ones, like, previous yeah, ones. Some, but you got to... Like, why did, why did uh, uh, Gigi... Like, that yeah, doesn't even... You know, gotta, that's about seducing young girls. Like, uh, I don't... Yep. <laughs> that one, uh, Oscar. That's a, that's a take. Uh, <laughs> it, but, so, that's a take. And that's the whole movie. <laughs> does it deserve to be higher? So, before you say, does, does it deserve, deserve to be higher? higher? In the original list, it was 28 places higher. Oh, interesting. And it got dropped down to 100. I can see why it's in 100. I can see 100% why it's here on the end. Yeah. Because, one, it's like the start of like, oh, look, you know, this is where we start. I think for any um, director, they, they'll probably put this in their top 10 or, yeah. or, or top 20. Yeah. But in reality, to films nowadays, we've evolved a lot more yeah. from just like, you know, yeah. just nice, you know, pretty shots of chariot races. Hannah, would you buy this on Blu-ray? Now, it's not uh, available on any streaming services. We uh, rented this yeah. on Apple TV. Would you buy it on Blu-ray? Would you have physical media? Would I have physical... I think so, because I appreciate having... Especially older films, yeah. I appreciate having them on physical yep. media. I have... I collect a lot of older films, especially ones that no one's heard of, and yeah. they will... they Some of them go out of print. Like, I have the yeah. last print of something, because yeah. it's it's going, it's going not going to exist anymore. So, the two things that we'll end every um, podcast with is, would you watch this again, and what is the rating for okay. Ben-Hur? Would I watch this again? I'd watch most of the movie again. I wouldn't watch the whole movie again. Yeah. I would probably... Chariot scene... Then the, and then the Marcella thing, like, then and, I'd be calling it. And rating for this movie? I would, I would say if they give it a, um, a golf clap. Yeah. I think it's just 
it's definitely what it's trying to achieve. This movie does incredibly well. Yeah. And that's what I, when we look at these movies, I like to look at what the movie is trying to achieve. Yeah. Rather than say, put it up against, uh, like, I'm not going to put this movie up against Speed Racer. Because yeah. I have a deep appreciation and love for Speed Racer, and it wow. is an incredible film. If I keep I'm bringing up putting... Oppenheimer and you keep bringing up Speed Racer, this is going to be a long podcast. <laughs> I'm not going to bring up, uh, long two years about John love. Wick, because <laughs> John Wick is a completely, well, Vengeance does play a role in John Wick as well. Hannah, that was a really enjoyable conversation that we've had about Blaine Her. I really appreciate it. And John Wick, the similarities. Vengeance plays a different role. What's next on the watch list? So tomorrow, uh, on Wednesday, we'll drop uh, What's Next, Mm -hmm. a show where we like to figure out what What to to watch watch next. And we'll be reviewing Napoleon, Napoleon. Cat Person, and Royal Hotel. And then later in the week, it's movie news. And we're looking forward to um, the Australian release of Bottoms. Yes. So oh, so excited. That I've been wanting be to watch really this movie such a long time. Uh, you can also catch Kenny Gets a Movie, mm-hmm. also our Blockbuster Showdown where we fight to the death of movie knowledge. <laughs> next week, what's next week on the AFI Top 100 podcast? So it's number 99. Mm-hmm. And for those this playing one. along at home, you this. can watch beforehand because it's on Disney Plus, And we also have a physical copy of this one. Yeah. It is Toy Story. Toy Story. An absolute classic. This is why I think they updated it because yeah, movies, this is a new one. This movies like this, like well, definitely this was, needed to be done. We'll go into it next week. We'll talk a lot more about just, Toy Story. But thanks for everyone for listening today. Such a different uh, Toy Story and Ben Hur. Totally. Yeah, and this is what the this is what, uh, this is this what the joy of the AFI Top Hundred. So much. For those listening for the first time, thanks for listening. And for those watching on our usual channels, uh, we really appreciate all the support. I hope you catch up with the Ridley Scott draft. That was great to have Danny there. Uh, voting convinces tomorrow. Yeah. Hopefully you vote for me or Hannah. We do not want to hear. We don't want to. Yeah, like, he kind of he kind of cheated and didn't watch. Well, you all come in, them. you come in, and you start the podcast by saying, "Is Ridley Scott overrated?" I just <laughs> want to kick him out. And then and then he said, "Black Hawk down." It's fine. <laughs> yeah, and then he did. He gave nothing. He gave absolutely nothing. I we then went into like all the British white boys and that, and then he was like, "Yeah, it's fine." Yeah, it's one. Yeah. Oh my god. You know what? So you do. If you vote for Denny, it's a vote for mediocrity. <laughs> yeah, you're just choosing. Yeah, I like those movies. Of course you do. Everyone does. That's like just being. Go for the go for the interesting ones. For well, that's my lovely co-host Hannah. I'm Peter. Until next week when we take a trip down memory lane with the AFI Top 100. We'll catch you for a later podcast during the week. It's bye for now.